Um, this year has been absolutely crazy, and so much of what has gone wrong in our country, in our society, in our city is out of our control. And it's exciting to think that our Harbor City Christmas offering gives us a chance for all of us to stand defiantly together against the, the chaos, against what's wrong, and do something about it. Like, that's what our Christmas offering gives us a chance to do. We're going to pool our money together so we can make a bigger impact to both care for our church family and serve the city. We're raising $15,000 over and above our normal giving. And, uh, and with this offering, we're going to support David's harp. You heard from Brandon last week. He's bringing love and mentorship to homeless and incarcerated youth. Uh, we're going to do some special Christmas gifts for our dear friends, the forests, our missionaries in Uganda. Um, and then we're also, we're going to talk about this next week in more detail, but we're going to be providing counseling services for people in our church family who need it and can't afford it. And so Jesus is doing so many amazing things and your gifts make dramatic impact on the lives of people here in San Diego. That's what this Christmas offering is all about. It, it gives us a chance to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Uh, and there's even more that the Christmas offering is going to accomplish. And so right now, I want you to hear from Chris and Carrie Ann Sandoval. Come on over. Y'all remember Carrie Ann from, uh, she's the executive director of Alma Community Care. She spoke to us um, about a, a couple months ago about our one family Christmas, or our one family special offering with racial reconciliation. Um, well, her husband, Chris, is the pastor of Servant Church, which is our sister church in Greater Logan Heights. And a significant portion of our Christmas offering is going to go to support them. We want you, we want you to hear about the impact that your gifts will make. And so, y'all, thanks for being here. I'm excited to hear from you again. Thanks, Stephen. It's a joy to be here and be with your congregation. I think we need to turn it on. Sorry. There we go. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you guys again. Thank you so much. Uh, so all my community care is bringing healing help and hope to our community of Greater Logan Heights, as I mentioned to you guys uh, when I was here previously. And through your Thanksgiving gift, uh, our new individual and group therapy program, Esperanza, is bringing that healing, help, and hope to five of our community's mothers and their families. And I just wanted to tell you um, what one of our moms had to say about that program. She said, I'm so thankful for all my community care. Earlier this year, death threats from our teenage daughter's gang member ex-boyfriend drove me to bouts of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and sleepless nights, all of which worsen my ongoing struggle with lupus. It's very difficult for me to find help without health insurance, but thanks to Alma's Esperanza program, now I can process my trauma with a therapist. I can get out of bed in the mornings, and I can confidently go outside my home. May God bless you for all you've done for my family and me. You're a blessing to us all. And you guys are a part of that healing help and hope for this mom, which is why through your Christmas gift, we're hoping to expand our program in early 2021 by offering two new groups, six moms each, of Esperanza in our community. But more than that, we're hoping to expand our program um, to allow us to very potentially and specifically serve the black um, moms in our community. We have great relationships with um, two nations um, in our community of Greater Logan Heights, and we're in conversations with those pastors um, to bring in moms um, that would be able to benefit um, from this therapy program. So I just want to say thanks. Thank you for serving all my community care through your gifts. Um, your gifts are going to help our parents love their children better. Uh, they're going to increase our children's chances of lifelong success. And they're going to allow our neighbors to experience God um, and his grace in their life in a whole new way. So thank you. Thanks, Carrie Ann. 
everyone. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor of Servant Church of San Diego. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you all for having us here this morning. I just wanted to share a little bit uh, more about our community of Greater Logan Heights. It's just on the other side of the freeway. Um, you guys uh, might have driven through it or might maybe just drove uh, around it like most San Diegans, but just a few uh, statistics for you guys. Um, we have in our community the highest number of kids per capita. So roughly one out of every three people in our part of town is under the age of 18. All right, so just think about that. Um, that makes us one of the youngest populations in San Diego because we have so many kids. Unfortunately, uh, about 30% of those kids uh, live in some kind of homelessness and up to 60% of them uh, will not graduate from high school. Now, what I should say is that those statistics were pre-COVID. Uh, we only expect, unfortunately, those numbers to go up because of the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic uh, in our community. So a couple of years ago, our church recognizing um, a large segment of our population, our children, we started strong youth outreach. And as Stephen mentioned, part of your Christmas gift uh, this year will go and help strong youth outreach. Uh, strong is, is, is based on the idea that we can, uh, by the power of the gospel, we can form strong persons, strong youth, who will then form strong relationships with each other and others, and then they will then be able to form strong community. Um, and and uh, right before the pandemic, we were having uh, Monday night meetings uh, in the rec center, and we had just started a workforce development program. And we're hoping to relaunch that workforce development program, uh, Lord willing, in this coming year. Obviously, we're going to have to rethink some things, um, but we're hoping, especially now with the vaccine coming uh, to us, that we'll be able to do more stuff in person. The workforce development will be working with local businesses to provide uh, students, uh, older, like probably um, in their older high schoolers, opportunity to work at these local businesses, but also get training and, uh, if possible, even get paid for their time. So it's not like free internships. They're going to they're gonna get paid for what they're learning and doing with our local businesses. We're looking forward to that. Um, you should also know that your gift this year will help uh, possibly uh, hire an intern for us. And that'll be an intern that will not just um, disciple the, the students in our community, but will also be learning how to do inner city urban ministry uh, in our context. And then finally, we're, we're, we're praying that this summer for the first time, we, we will be able to take some of our kids out into the mountains um, on a summer retreat. Uh, if you're like me or a lot of us, we grew up in the church and retreats or summer camp was something normal, something we all looked forward, forward to. Most of our kids have never had that experience. So we're looking forward to providing that for them to help them not just get away in general, but get away with Jesus. So thank you all for having us here this morning. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for serving others as Jesus has served us. Thank you. Thank you, Chris and Carrie Ann. Um, Chris has to leave. His service starts at 930. <clears throat> so he's, he literally came on the way. 
And uh, good news is they're only about a mile from here, so that's, that's good. But Carrie Ann's going to stick around. So if you want to ask any questions of Carrie Ann after the service, she'd be happy to talk to you more about what they're, what they're doing. Um, Y'all, like, hello, right? <laughs> what they're doing is incredible. Like, this is incredible work. Um, we took a really long and, and hard look at racial reconciliation back in September. We did four messages, and the question's like, gosh, these, these issues are so daunting. They're so big. Like, how could any of us do anything about this, really? Like, what can we do to help? And then God brings us a partnership, like Servant Church and Alma Community Care and Strong. And it's like, you know what? Our church can partner with them. We can get up under and follow them into what they're doing and what Jesus is doing through them. And so um, I just hope that you realize that by, by giving to the Christmas offering, you're going to be making a difference uh, in our city. Uh, and so I just, I want you to think and I want you to pray. Like Chad last week said, pray, ask God, God, what should I give? You have these uh, Christmas offering envelopes that are in your bulletin um, if you're here. Um, but I just want you to pray this week. You know, I, I prayed this week and we made a decision. We're going to give $500 to the Christmas offering. That's what our family is going to do this year. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to give. Um, to give, it's, it's, it's the most amazing opportunity for us. And what's cool about this year's uh, Christmas offering is that it, it's money plus is what we're saying. It, it's not just that we're going to give money, but we're going to be doing some exciting things with Servant Church and Alma um, in the late January, early February timeframe where we're going to get to show up. We're going to get a chance to learn more about exactly what they're doing and the history of their ministry in the greater Logan Heights area. And again, it's one of these things where when you're a part of it, it gives you a chance to walk to actually do something that will help you to understand better your neighbors and how to love them. And so, um, so again, we have these Christmas offering envelopes. Take them home and just use them to pray. Use them to say, Lord, what would you like me to give to this offering? $15,000. We can do this if everybody gives 100 bucks. If everyone gave 100 bucks, we'd hit 15000 and exceed it, no problem. We recognize that $100 is too much for some of you. And, and the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't look at the amount. God looks at the heart, right? God cares more about the percentage of, the, of, of what you give rather than the amount that you give. Um, and then some of you can give even more than $100. And so I just want to encourage you to <laughs> just to, to enter into the joy that by giving to this, these amazing lives are going to be impacted as this ministry goes forward. And so... 2020, with all of its craziness, has been difficult, but the gospel means that evil never gets the last word. Like Jesus is alive and he is working, and with this offering, in the name of Jesus, we're standing up to push back against the darkness. And so let me pray uh, for this offering, and then we'll transition to, the, to God's word. Pray with me. Father, thank you for Chris and for Carrie Ann. Thank you for their tireless service. Uh, for the, the trials that they have been through as they have for a long time ministered in this community. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would bless all three of their organizations, the church, Strong Youth Outreach, and Alma, and that all of them would continue to be filled with the resources that they need. Um, thank you that they are doing this in the name of Jesus and proclaiming the gospel that says that all of the physical needs that they're meeting just a picture 
of the eternal spiritual um, blessings that you rain down on people that follow you. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have to give to this, for the chance to partner with them. We pray that again, this, this next step, as we step into this, this next step would encourage all of our hearts as we seek to follow you, Jesus. We seek to follow you into the places uh, where most people don't want to go. So Lord, move in our hearts, stir us up so that we might give above and beyond uh, so that we can see your kingdom flourish. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I want to start by asking you a question. What do you need from Christmas this year? Right, that's what we're asking. Not what do you want for Christmas, but what do you need for Christmas this year? And we've been seeing how the Bible answers this question for us during this Advent season. So by way of review, we've already seen that what we need for Christmas is first, we need a promise from God. We need a promise that guarantees us that God will love us and work in our lives even if we aren't what he wants us to be, right? Christmas is this promise. And then secondly, we need a community of God's family. Like we need a community of people who understand us, who let us be real, right? Who even when real is awful, they let us be real. Um, people that accept us and help us to grow. And Christmas creates this community, and so the third thing today that we're going to look at, the third thing we need for Christmas is a source of joy. We need a source of joy. We need something that can give us joy in the midst of suffering and difficulties and challenges. And Romans 7 shows us this need. We've been looking at Romans 7 and letting it tell us what we need. Um, and this part of the Bible, as we've seen, this part of the Bible gets really honest about how much we struggle in our lives. And so here, the guy who wrote half the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he's the one describing how difficult his own life is sometimes. And this is what he says. In Romans 7, verses 18 to 24, he says, For <clears throat> I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what's right. Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that, is, that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is real. I hope you're encouraged that the Bible doesn't shy away from what it's like to be human. Life can be rough. And sometimes it's our circumstances that cause us to suffer. But there's a big part of the Bible, this part in particular, it makes it really clear that sometimes our struggles come from ourselves. Sometimes it's not anybody else's fault, but it's because of what we do, what we want. Sometimes we're just not okay. 
Um, there's a real battle that goes on inside. And this is true for people who are Christians and for people who aren't Christians. And Paul's conclusion, he hates what he is capable of and he wonders, who will save me from this struggle that's going on inside of me? And so, when you are the source of your suffering, when you are the source of your struggle, you need a source of joy. And Paul knows the source that we need. The very next verse, Romans 7, 25 says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jesus is the answer. And you might be thinking, well, of course you say that Jesus is the answer. You're a pastor, right? That's what you're supposed to say. Jesus is supposed to be the answer. Um, but actually, the reason that we say this today, the reason that today we can say Jesus is the answer is because Paul experienced it in his life way back when. That's why he said it. And so Jesus was Paul's source of joy when he felt this close to his own brokenness. And so, and, and it's important that even though Jesus is the answer, it, it's not just Jesus, Okay, that's not what Paul says. Paul says it's Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's saying here that Jesus is Christ and Lord. And so these are two titles of Jesus that show why he is our source of joy. What do these words mean? Well, Christmas teaches us what these words mean. And Christmas shows us how Jesus is the source of joy that we need. And so in this third week of Advent, we come to the angels and shepherds candle. Okay, it's the pink candle right here that's going to be lit in a little bit. This pink candle, uh, we meet the angels and the shepherds and we celebrate them at this candle. We meet them in Luke 2 and what they say and what they do show us that Jesus is the source of our joy. And so we're going to look at Luke 2 verses 1 through 20. They're in your bulletin. They'll also be on the screen uh, for those of you at home. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Okay, so Caesar was lord of the world back then. This is Caesar Augustus, right? He reigned from 27 BC to 14 AD. And Caesar Augustus flexes his political muscles. He issues an executive order and the known world has to return to their home to be registered. And even Jesus' parents were affected by this. In verse 4, it goes on. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Right, this Christmas story is so well known to many of us. But Caesar's power here, it's Caesar's power that makes life dangerous for Mary and Joseph. Mary's nine months pregnant. She should not have been traveling. But because the Lord of the world wanted his people to be counted, 
they had to make this journey. Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 90 miles. So think if you want to drive from here to Disneyland. Okay? So it takes about an hour and a half. Not back then. No cars. Right? You're talking about walking on foot or maybe sitting on a beast of burden. She's nine months pregnant. She should not have been making this journey. Back then, 90 miles take you about a week. It's about a week's journey. Uh, presumably, tradition says on the back of a donkey, Mary rode, and Joseph probably walked. Man, this baby was born at the wrong time, far from home, right? Far from home. You wonder what they thought when the decree went out. Wait, wait, what? We need to go to, are you kidding me? We can't make this trip. The baby's born in the wrong time, far from home and in the wrong place, stuck in a stable for animals because there was no room for them in the inn. Anyone identify with Mary and Joseph? Like when circumstances in life, when people make decisions that are outside of your control and all of a sudden your whole life has changed? Anybody? Here we are in the back parking lot of our church because of decisions that are made outside of our control, because of a disease that is spreading. But with God, the struggle is sacred. God sees it all. God is working and he's active. Friends, you need to know that God sees your struggles today. He sees your suffering. And whether it's your circumstances, like a journey to Bethlehem, or if it's your own sinfulness, like in Romans 7, God sees and God cares. Verse 8, and in the same region, this is the region where Mary and Joseph gave birth to, the, to, to Jesus, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Again, familiar Christmas story, the angels and the shepherds. But I want you to look again with me at verses 10 and 11. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is 
Christ the Lord. So when the angel announces Jesus, the angel describes him with the words, Christ the Lord. These are the same words that Paul uses in Romans chapter 7 that we saw a second ago. And so this means that Jesus, the reason why Jesus is the answer, the reason why Jesus is our source of joy is because Jesus is Christ and Lord. So let's talk about these two titles here for a second. First, the Christ. Christ is not Jesus's last name. Okay, a lot of people think that. A lot of people act like that's true. Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. It's a title, and it means God's king. It means the leader anointed by God's spirit. So Christ is the New Testament Greek word for the Old Testament Hebrew word, Messiah. Okay, so if you see Christ, you can think Messiah, but it means God's king. And so the Christ was promised in the Old Testament. The Christ was promised to come and to bring God's kingdom because he's God's king. He was going to bring God's kingdom from, from heaven to earth. The Christ would lead God's people from bondage to freedom, from injustice and evil to justice and mercy and righteousness. And so when you make Jesus your king, when you orient your life around his authority, when you commit your life to Jesus and serve him as your king and you obey him, then his power is unleashed in your life. The spirit that descended on Jesus, that anointed Jesus to make him the Christ, fills you and God's presence is with you. And he becomes your source of joy because he accepts you and he works in your life. He begins to change you. The Christ was supposed to come and to reboot God's family. And when you commit to follow and obey Jesus, you become part of the new people that Jesus is creating. Now, Lord is also a title. The word Lord back then meant to be the world's leader. So in those days in the Roman Empire, Caesar was called Lord. Um, it was a title of ultimate authority. But here, on the first Christmas night, the angels and the shepherds declare that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. Caesar claimed authority. Caesar had all kinds of power. He could do all sorts of things. But both heaven and earth, on Christmas night, both heaven and earth declared that Jesus is the world's true Lord. And so again, consider the angels and the shepherds. They both respond with joy. And this joy moves them to both worship God and then to share the news with others. The angels are from heaven. The shepherds are from earth. And so what we see is that heaven and earth are joined together in their response to the birth of Jesus. And so joy comes from heaven and earth at the birth of the Savior. On this sacred Christmas night, all God's wonders in one sight. Into winter, spring has come. Into night, the day has sprung. Onto earth, heaven arrives. The God-man comes to bring new life. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in this manger. 
and it gives joy to angels and shepherds alike. What does this mean? It means that God cares. And he doesn't just care, but it means that God is active. It means that God is working. It means that God has come. Jesus is God come to earth. And so in joyful response, they worship and they share the news. Friends, worship is the normal reaction to a God who works to save the world. Like we worship because what else can we do in light of a God who responds to a sin-filled and broken and cursed world? He responds with love. He responds by saying, I'm coming and I'm going to make things right. And the shepherds hear and rejoice. The angels and the shepherds, they share this good news with others. And so it's worship and it's sharing. This is the response from heaven and earth to the birth of Jesus, God's king and the world's true Lord. And this brings joy. Again, here in this moment, heavenly angels unite with earthly shepherds. Heaven and earth come together. That's why it's called the angels and the shepherds candle because heaven and earth are coming together. And we see here in these two groups, we see here the world that God is and his king will bring. It's a new world where heaven and earth are perfectly joined with peace on earth and mercy mild, where God and sinners are reconciled. And so joyful, all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies when the heavens proclaim that Christ is born and you worship, you join in that triumphal anthem when you sing to God, when you worship him, when you obey him, when you do things only because God says you should, in that moment you join the triumphal cry of the angels and your life is changed. Joy fills your heart. So we have this joy in Jesus because of what God has done and that produces worship in us. And then when we worship him in response, more joy comes. And this is Jesus, our King. His leadership is manifested in love and accepting grace and transforming power. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He's the source of joy that we need when we're struggling with our brokenness. Both heaven and earth say that we need Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. Paul says in Romans 7 that we need Jesus, who is Christ our Lord. When we're broken, when we fail, we need Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the source of our joy. He's the one whose light can break into our darkness. And so if Romans 7 maybe brings something into your mind that you would tend to want to hide, if Romans 7 is beginning to peek into the darkness of your life and your habits and your relationships, I got to tell you that the more honest you are with God, the more power you will receive from him. The more real you are, the more you seek him in your life, the more you will receive from him. The better you know him, his family love, that he doesn't just like you, but he treats you like your family. He's never gonna give up on you. He will never cast you out. He will always welcome you back into his arms. The more you understand this, this family love, his transforming power, the more you will receive from him. 
And so friends, this meets us in the middle of our struggles. This meets us in the middle of our suffering. And if anything in Romans 7 describe your experience, can I give you some good news? The fact that it's a struggle in your life is proof of your faith. There are times when my sin is so overwhelming and I think, man, there's no way that God could love me. I hate myself for what I've done. And I want to tell you that if you hate yourself for what you've done, that's proof that Jesus is in you. It's proof that God's presence is working in you to change you to want what he wants, even if you can't do it yet. That's good news. If you didn't belong to Jesus, it wouldn't be a struggle. So a lot of people think that Christmas is about hope, and it is. And hope is amazing. It's a great blessing. Hope is what you feel when you expect good things to come. Okay? Hope is what you feel when you expect good things to come. But Christians have more than just hope. We have more than hope. Christians have joy. Joy is what you feel when what you hope for comes true. Okay, hope is looking forward and expecting or hoping that things are going to get better. Joy is what happens when you get what you're hoping for. And so the first Christmas brought hope that God's promised king was finally born. But today, Christians experience joy because the newborn king grew up and conquered death and sin. Baby Jesus grew up to become crucified Messiah and then resurrected Savior. And so our hope for a king who is alive and who is with us has come true in Jesus. His kingdom is here and it is filling the earth. Friends, I know you probably don't know this, but the gospel is thriving and flourishing all over the world. Just because our country may not be experiencing the rapid expansion of the gospel doesn't mean the rest of the world isn't. The gospel is exploding in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America, and in China. And guess what? It's also growing in our hearts as we press in to know our God more. This is why Christmas brings joy and it shows us that Jesus is different than other religions. Religions at their core, religions tell us what we have to do to get God's attention, right? Religions give us a construct of things to do to get to nirvana or to get to enlightenment or to get to heaven, whatever it is. But Jesus at Christmas flips it upside down because Jesus didn't come to tell us what we need to do in order to get to God. Jesus came to show us what God did to get to us. Do you know him today? Do you realize that this is why he came? It wasn't just so that we could tell stories and sing Christmas carols once a year. It's because he wants to be in your life. It's because he is the world's true Lord. And if you bow your knee and commit to him, he will begin to use all of his power and unleash it into your life. And when Jesus uttered those uncomfortable words, when he said, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. A lot of people stumble over that because it seems so exclusive, right? Like, why would Jesus cut out all these other options? But that's not why Jesus said that. Jesus didn't say, look, I'm so exclusive that I want you to try anybody else. What he's actually saying is, I need you to understand that no one else is coming for you. No one else. There is no other God who is coming for you. No one else is leaving heaven. No one else is leaving nirvana to come and to enter into your existence and to take on your sin so that you can be forgiven and set free. No one else is coming. Why would you spend your entire life trying to earn approval and love of a God who's indifferent to you if you're not good enough? That is not Jesus. He says they don't exist. They're not coming for you. But Jesus shows us that God is not indifferent. He came so that you would know that you are worth him running after you. And this blows my mind because God is God. He's God. He, he doesn't need anything from us. And yet he treats us as though we matter because we do to him. Like we matter to him. And so he orchestrates things and he honors our agency and he doesn't force us to come to him, but he says, I want you. I want you in my family. And so I've come I came to earth and I'm coming to you today so that you would know that you are worth it to me. I mean, this is the power and the wonder of who Jesus is. And this is why he is our source of joy. I found this quote. I have no idea who this person is, but this sounds so good. Her name's Ellen Sana. She said this, despite the good tidings that Christmas brings, people continue to shut their hearts to Jesus. Because we turn away from Jesus, evil continues to exist on earth. But if we throw our hearts wide open to this glad news, then our hearts will become little Bethlehems. Jesus will be born anew in us, and through us, his kingdom will be visible on earth. Man, the kingdom is standing ready to grow right now in your heart, in your life, if you will open your heart to Jesus today. So what should we do? Well, first, if you're not a Christian, become one today. Commit to this God who has committed himself to you. Just tell God, say, say Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I give you my life. That's how it starts with Jesus. If you're a Christian, I want to encourage you to take action in, your res in response to the joy that you feel. I want you to do two things. First, I want you to worship God. Let's do what the angels did. Let's do what the shepherds did. Worship God. Worship comes in all kinds of shapes. Just show God with your life that you think he's amazing for who he is and what he's done. For some people that's singing, for some people that's reading the Bible, for some people that's like radical obedience, for some that's, for that's serving other people. It's, you just want to like tell God how amazed you are at who he is and what he's done. And then live as though he is the most important thing in your life. Like what, what would it do for you 
if every morning you started your day and just remembered that Jesus came for you? Like, how would that reorient your heart and your life? Like, what is it that you could do that would fill you with a sense of joy because of Jesus? Do that. And then try to think about it periodically throughout the day, just to keep reminded and watch your life begin to change. Watch your reactions begin to change. Watch the way you respond to people begin to change. And all of that's worship. And then second, share your joy with others. To share your joy with others. Because as you press in, you can share. And you don't have to be some sort of theologian. You don't have to have answers to all the people's questions about Jesus or Christianity or the Bible. You can just say, yeah, I get it, man. It's tough. Like there are hard questions and I don't have all the answers. But this is what Jesus means to me. This is what he's done for me. I just can't believe that a God who is so big that he made the world cares enough to come because he loves me. And he he loves you too. He loves you too. This is the source of joy. It's Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming for us. Our hearts are moved that you would love us like this, that you would care for us like this, that you, God, would become earthly king and that you'd wear a crown of thorns, that you would subject yourself to suffering because of our sin that you didn't just come to tell us to make sure we heard you, but you came and you died. You gave your life for us so that we would have a way back to you. Jesus, we come to you now in our brokenness with all of the things that are wrong inside of us. And we ask you for your love, for your forgiveness, and for your presence. We commit, Jesus. We want to worship you and share our joy with others. Open up doors for us this week to do that, we pray in your name. Amen.